Welcome back, guys, to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today, I am fortunate to have Joanna Correa. Uh, Joanna is the founder of Corky Leopard, uh, a business that sells fiber art and also offers fiber classes. And she is also a uh, teen librarian at the in Peabody, Massachusetts. Joanna, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> Uh, so take it back for us. Uh, set the scene, you know, where you grew up, uh, a little bit about your family situation and, and things of that nature. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Saugus, Mass. Um, I have with my mom and my dad and my sister, who is two years older than me. Um, and we had a little Chihuahua Terrier who was a bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that always kept things interesting. Um, I went to public school in Saugus through grade school. And then starting in middle school, I went to Catholic school. How was that? How was that transition? It was, it was rough. <laughs> I've always loved clothes and I was forced into a plaid skirt and a vest, which I did not like, <laughs> yeah. and then had to wear, um, in high school, you know, the khakis with the polos. So when I got to college, I was like, my roommates would make fun of me because I changed like 10 times a day because I was so excited to just wear my own clothes to <laughs> <Freedom>. class. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you, at that time, were you interested in, in art as a young, as a young kid growing up? Yes, I've always been interested in art. Um, I was very involved with theater, musical theater, singing, um, and ultimately I was just always drawing or trying to create. Um, I had, my grandmother taught me how to crochet when I was seven. She got me that as a gift for Christmas. Um, and I kind of would just tinker around with that and sewing, not realizing that, um, I could study that when I went to college, when I went to mass art in Boston. And, um, I originally went for fashion design there and then found out that there is a fiber major, which just allows you to play with yarn and weave and knit and do paper making. Um, and I find just found my happy place there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess given the topic of, of what we'll be talking about, do you want to talk about maybe at, at what age maybe you were, you realized, you know, you were attracted to women? Yeah, so actually, actually I didn't realize until I was 26. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it came as quite a surprise to me. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but looking back, there was a lot of um, small moments that um, I can kind of pinpoint, um, you know, just from where I think it was kind of suppressed, um, just from being growing up Catholic, um, just to back up, I, my parents, I always felt had a very healthy relationship with being Catholic. They were very um, moderate. My dad was very like, we're going to church every Sunday. Um, and my mom was very encouraging of having us question all the teachings and why we were there. And that really helped me to have like a strong faith life and to grow in that without being like one of the robots that just says, well, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, so that was always my relationship, but still being at church, you know, you every once in a while you might get um, a priest that says something about homosexuality being a sin. And when you're five, and then you hear that again when you're 10 and then 12, like those are like little seeds that are being planted that are telling you that's not an okay thing. And I remember, um, when I was young, I said, oh, I'm going to marry my best friend, so-and-so, who was a girl. And my mom just said, well, you can't 
right? Because at this time it wasn't legal. She wasn't making yeah. any statement on that, but it just wasn't an option yet. Um, and so for me, I didn't understand. And I have a lot of little memories of things like that, where it was like, nope, not an option. This is not okay. And, um, you know, there wasn't really any lesbian couples as an example of seeing this. I, I did have, growing up, I had many gay male friends, but I didn't have any lesbian friends. Um, it just was never shown as an option and, and seeing somebody thrive and being who they were in that environment. Yeah, yeah. I guess with finding it out, or I guess you said um, at 26 you, you came out? Yes. Okay, but obviously you probably knew couple of years before that I actually did <laughs> oh, okay. no, so yeah cool. no I have like so um I I kept having like this this like weird recurring dream and I remember talking to my friend um Tyler who put me in touch with you for this um and I was like what do you think that's about like isn't that so funny and I was just like it just kept popping up in the back of my mind and he was like I don't know and um the way that I finally realized it, because it was so blocked out of my head, was I was with a family friend or uh, an acquaintance that we knew, and I was going to be watching their dog. And so she said, um, I just wanted to mention to you that this other person um, is actually my partner. Um, I'm pretty sure you're okay with that, but I just wanted to mention it. I know that you're Catholic and, and whatnot, so I just wanted to tell you ahead of time. And I have had many queer friends that have come out to me and I'm always like, great, wonderful. But for some reason, like this just like burst a bubble and I got really mad and I got really upset and I didn't know why. And I started crying and she was kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, all of a sudden, like this realization came down and I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, how did I not know this? Like, what does this mean? Um, and kind of just like panic all at once, just like flooding in. Um, and she was like, all right, you're going to be okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a lot, but like, you're going to be okay. And it was weird because I was completely panicked. But at the same time, it was like this huge weight of depression and anxiety was just like lifted off me for the first time in years. And, you know, I still have anxiety and, and stuff like that. But it was a, it was a specific kind of anxiety and depression that... I just felt had been weighing on me since I was like around nine or 10, um, which is really when kids start to like, you know, figure out who they like. Um, so it makes sense, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about, I guess when you're, you know, thinking about coming out, you know, what are the, the factors in your mind? I mean, you know, there's, um, you know, obviously your friends, your family, uh, your religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> how do you approach that? What, what did you, what was it? What maybe were your first steps um, in yeah. approaching the process? Um, well, I think just to back up a little bit too, I was, I became very heavily involved in the Catholic church. Um, and as far as youth groups and young men to young adult groups, and a lot of those are very, um, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but it's very um, strict. A lot of the people that go to those things, their ideas are very like, I, would, I like to say pre-Vatican too, kind of before there was like this enlightening period in the church. Um, and we saw, started to see some changes. Um, 
And so being in that environment, and I think working in ministry, when I realized this, I was actually still working at a Catholic church as the director of religious ed. So that was like terrifying as well. (laughs) Um, And when you're behind closed doors and people assume that you're straight, they say a lot of things they would never say when they're ministering to people in person. You hear their real opinions. You hear like, oh man, that's so sad. Like, you know, it's so sad that like they are same sex attracted and like all these words that are loving. Um, I say that in quotation marks, um, but really are quite damaging to young people. And I went to a lot of different teen conferences and they would just slip this, these things in that said, if you struggle, you know, with, with t- drinking too much alcohol, if you struggle with same sex attraction. Okay. So now we're putting somebody's identity who they are, who they're attracted to on the same level as an addiction, as an addiction to alcohol or drugs. Like that's telling me don't even approach, like that's not okay. Right. And so when you get all these subliminal messages, it's just stuck on you. And so when I kind of realized this and I'm like, how do I even start to come out? Um, it was, oh, and then, oh, the other thing. So a couple months prior at the beginning of this, this was in June, back in September, I was working at a Catholic high school. Um, and I was very excited about it. I was teaching theology um, and there was um, a lot of, there was one new teacher who had come in who had put up an LGBTQ safe zone sign in his door and this was an issue. Um, The department head wanted it taken down um, because she felt that by putting that up, it told the kids they couldn't come to the campus ministry to talk about it um, and they wouldn't come to them anymore. And so that was, she said, we either need to take it down or they need to be up on every door. But at the same time, like, what are they telling the kids when they come to campus ministry? It's okay to be gay, but it's not okay to act on it. Um, And just from a theological standpoint um, of Catholic, I was always taught that your sexuality is a gift that God gives to you and you are created as a unique, unrepeatable being. And so I always never understood this teaching of if I'm a unique, unrepeatable being, I was created with intention, with no mistakes in my sexuality as a gift, then why is it not correct unless you're straight, right? So I always had this constant thing. And when kids would ask these questions in class, I was like, oh, I can't deal with this. And I would just be like, this is what they teach, but you know, do whatever. (laughs) Like it was really difficult and I avoided it. And I think I wound up leaving and not going back after Christmas break. And I also think that God had a very heavy hand in me coming out because it was like this slow process. I left there. Um, I was about to take another job um, in as a youth minister. And I was just like, oh man, this is going to be more of the same. I know this isn't the right fit for me. And the same day that I was going to go for the second interview and accept it, um, I got a call about my art studio, which I had been looking for a studio, which I couldn't find that was affordable. And I got a call from the PVD library to work for them for part-time. I could still do my other part-time job. And it was like, the pay was perfect. It was going to be the same amount part-time as this other full-time job would be. And so I was like, great. Um, And so fast forward to June, I'm working at the library and I'm still at the director of religious ed part-time. Um, and I'm starting to realize this and the library was my complete safe haven of, of figuring this out because it was pride month. There was so many LGBTQ displays. So I'm like 
going up to the teen room when no one's there and snagging all the books I can and checking them out by myself because I could do that because I worked at the library and then stuffing them in my backpack. And um, the director at the time had a wife and I would hear her talk about her and it was just like, there's someone else and she's happy and she has kids and she had this little rainbow flag on her desk and there was many days where that rainbow flag was just what I needed to like get me through the day because I just was so upset and didn't know how to handle it. Um, and I had, I told my sister first and my friend Tyler and um, they were awesome and I just like didn't know what else to do from there. I did tell my parents about a month later and they were kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah. where is this coming from? Because like, <laughs> like, that's fine. But like, what? And I was like, I mean, understandable, because that was my reaction. Um, but they've been, you know, like, really wonderful. And then it was the matter of, okay, I was out at I work was a safe space for me because it was um, with the other people that worked there. Um, but I didn't feel like I could be out. Um, in my personal life and at my church. Um, I knew I had a lot of people that would support it, but I was, there was some people that I knew would give uh, kind of some, not be okay with it. And I didn't want to deal with the repercussions of being the director of religious ed and people telling me that I can't teach their kids, um, even though I love this job so much. And that got to the point where I was getting like almost sick from it because I, was pretending, you know, people would be like, ooh, I go on Sunday morning and they're like, oh, are you dating anyone? Are you dating any guys? And I had to be, and I was, I wanted to be like, well, I am, but it's not a guy. <laughs> and so, um, and it would just be like, well, I went out with my friends last night and it got to the point where it was just like very detrimental to my health and it wasn't working anymore. And so I did actually know the priest there who had given me spiritual direction, who I love dearly. He's such a good person. He had a number of times gotten up and given homilies that were talking about um, LGBTQ people in a positive light. And more so not even talking about them, but speaking to the people and how they react to them and saying that, you know, um, he had, um, a niece who was gay and got married and he was like, I couldn't perform the wedding, but like I was absolutely there because I love my niece and I support her. And that to me was huge. And he had said that a number of years before and he had another number of other stories about being there to support um, your LGBTQ friends and family. Um, and I knew that he was a safe person, even though it was kind of scary. He was also my boss. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. coming out to anyone, it's always like a little scary, even if you're like, I think it's going to go fine. But there's always that like, what if? And I just like completely, as soon as you sat down, like had a meltdown and started crying. And he was like, what's going on? And I was like, you know, like, I'm gay and I had a really hard time saying that for a while and actually speaking those words um and um he was like okay <laughs> that's he's just said that's fine with me yeah. and he was like how are you doing with that and I was like I'm just so mad and I'm so mad at God and now I'm also mad at myself because I have always been so supportive of all my friends and now that it's me 
I'm mad about it. So does that mean that I wasn't really supportive of my other friends and now I'm not okay with it? And it was kind of like all these internal struggles of everything that had been told to me was now just like bubbling up to the surface. And, and I was just like, I'm just so frustrated and I just don't know what to do. And he was just like, well, first, like God doesn't make junk. God only makes beautiful things. And like that has stuck with me and this was like a year later, like so much, because that's all he had to say about it yeah, <laughs> was yeah. God doesn't make junk. Like you were created to be this way and that's how he wanted you to be. Um, and, and then he said, okay, are you dating anyone? And I said, I am. And he said, okay, I think that's great. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I will tell you, it might be difficult at church. He said, it's your decision. If you want to be open about it, I will support you in that. Um, if you don't want to be though, that's okay. And, and kind of see what you'd like to do. Um, but just know that it is probably going to be a bit of a tough road if you choose to be open about it. And I said, okay. And so, um, I wound up having to leave that job just because it was too much around November. Um, but, um, which kind of worked out because I, I really didn't, it was the parish I had grown up in. I knew everyone since childhood. And sometimes that's really difficult when you're with everyone that's known you forever and has known you as this other way or how they perceive you to be. Um, and it's really difficult to deal with coming out in that space. So it was kind of like, God was like, it's time to move on to your next chapter. Like this was good. You love it here, but you have to, you have to move to a different space. Um, and I had just moved out of Saugus a couple months prior to, which was helpful too, because just sometimes like you need to be able to leave those spaces. Um, and I think that's like advice I would give to people too, especially if you're in spaces that you don't feel supported. Um, or even like, I know there was a lot of people there that would have supported me, but not people aren't always vocal about it because they're worried about backlash from other people. And it's okay to leave those spaces and take a break, either forever to leave them or take a break and come back when you're ready to deal with it and you're strong and, and you know who you are and you're ready to, you know, come deal with whatever comes at you. Thank you for that. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the, the struggle of not revealing it to people? So like, I guess for context, you know, I had a, I have a friend who um, relatively recently, you know, came out to me as being bi and, you know, it's someone I've known uh, for quite a long time. Uh, and I just can't imagine, you know, for 10, like for 10 years, you know, he had not really told anyone about what was going on. Um, obviously, like, it's different for everyone, but I guess, especially for the, the straight people, um, because, you know, we don't have that type of relatability. I, 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 like, can you just describe that struggle of going into a place and just not feeling like your full identity or, or if I'm making sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so it's, 
like for me, I, and I think it, like you said, it depends on the person. Like some people are naturally very private. Some people tell everyone everything. I'm kind of in that middle space, but I've never like hidden what my interests are and, and what I'm doing. I like to share those things um, just from like the way I dress. I don't care that I have 10 million patterns on. Like I would like to show everyone all of the patterns I'm yeah. wearing. Um, and so for me, it was very difficult because I felt like it is such an integral part of you. I felt like I'm now not able to share my full, my full self with people. Um, and it was kind of like hiding and like being on the lookout at all times. And like, I was very aware of my social media for a while because, um, you know, I, it was almost like I was in these two different worlds where I was like in the art world with all my art friends and in the library world, which is like, you know, just all this knowledge and getting all the knowledge you can. Um, and then, you know, like the church aspect in the church world. And um, even like one of my best, best friends, um, it was like really scary to come out to her. And I, at first I thought that um, I was bi and just, but that was only because I had only dated men before. Um, and then kind of, I realized after a while that that wasn't the case. Um, but I like told her first and I was just like, um, like, I think I might be bi. And I, and then I was like, but I think I would have known by now. No, no. And I just like took it back. And she was like, yeah, like you would know. And I was nervous because she was Catholic too. And I just took it back. Cause I was like, I can't deal with it if she doesn't react well. And so I felt like that relationship alone with someone I was so close with and told everything to and not be, not feeling comfortable to share that with her for a couple of months was like death to me. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like, I just want to tell her these things and I can't, and it was, it's like stopping your tongue and guarding your words every, every time you're telling a story or people be like, what did you do last night? And it's like, Oh, I went out with my friend um and we did this thing and you just really want to tell people you're dating someone and you can't because then i mean you could i could and then make up a different name that's like a boy version of the name um but it's just like it's a lot of being very guarded it's like exhausting um and i didn't even do it for that long so um like i kind of moved through this very quickly i think that is because i was like well you're 26 like I don't have any more time to waste. <laughs> I've yeah, yeah. wasted all these years of not realizing it and I'm not willing to do it anymore. Um, so, yeah. Can you also talk about whether you, I mean, have you faced any negative reactions or, you know, people asking you to reconsider or maybe the, it's just a phase or any, any, you know, word choice like that? Yeah, I did. So I think I, I knew the people that were going to do that. And I had kind of separated myself from that. Once I realized it, I was like kind of preparing myself to not be in those situations. Um, and that would be particularly some of the, some of the Catholic groups. Um, I, I knew my Catholic friends that would be fine and would stand by me. Um, and then there were some other people that I was like, well, I've heard you say something. So I know that's not going to go well. Yeah. Um, and um, let me see. Yeah. So there was, I mean, there was a, like, there was a couple people that like started texting me 
when I think, I don't know how people, I somehow some, somebody found out before I had like kind of told people and I just started getting these like text messages like, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. And I'm like, <laughs> because sometimes like there's like the, what can I pray for you? Like, I'm like, I want to help you. And then there's the like, I'm praying for you because like this needs to be fixed. And it's like, I don't want that kind of prayer. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, like yeah. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so when, and it's kind of like, all right, like I would rather, I don't want the underhandedness. It was kind of like, oh, let's meet up for lunch. And I'm like, we're not meeting up for lunch. Like you can tell me over text what you would like. And so that kind of, I just kind of shut those things down and I never got to have those conversations with those people, which is fine. Um, so I think that like, I was able to shield myself from a lot of that and really surround myself with people that would be supportive. And again, I'm fortunate because I'm older, I'm in my twenties. I'm not stuck at the same high school. Um, I think going to my high school too, I saw one girl in my class that did come out and saw some people being very mean and unkind about it. Um, and that like, that shuts stuff down too. And like when, if that's your situation, you're stuck in that school, that's difficult. And it's really important to somehow find a community that you can go back to and get your strength and support from. Um, I totally just went off, but I forgot what I was going to say. No, <laughs> um, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I did, I actually did wind up meeting up with once I posted it on Facebook, I didn't, I heard from a couple people, um, and, and, you know, our, like, post, like, a relationship status update, you notice the people that don't, don't like it, because, you know, they saw it, because they've liked your other relationship statuses, and it's not like I'm waiting for you to check, but, like, you, you notice the difference, and, like, when I went to, like, a Christmas party, I'm pretty sure they knew I was dating someone and everyone else had their significant other there and they didn't say, Hey, is your girlfriend coming or like acknowledge it? Or I knew everyone had seen it and not one person at the party was like, Hey, I saw you're dating someone. So it's like, it's those things like that. And nobody outwardly said it. It's just like, we're not going to talk about it. And you know, like some people had their kids there. And so it was like, what's going to happen? Like, are we going to stay friends later? when I am in a serious relationship and I'm going to start bringing them, like, what is their reaction going to be? So there's still those fears. Um, and again, it's not everyone, but there are people that think like that. And I became very aware that, you know, people, they don't want their kids around it. They think that I'm going to like infect them with their, <laughs> with my, with my gayness. Watch out. If I cough on you, you'll catch it. Like, that's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, um, I think too, like another piece of it too, that was like upsetting to me was, you know, I am white. So I've grown up with privilege. I grew up in a white middle-class house. Um, we're not rich by any means, but there was always food on the table and I never had to want for my basic needs. And so all of a sudden it was like, whoa, like there's a big chunk of privilege gone. And for me, like I pass as straight, you know, but when, if I'm going, it was like, when I come out, I, people will know. Um, and, and I just kind of like saw that privilege disintegrate. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I never got this before. And I was almost guilty that for 26 years of my life, I really didn't understand the privilege I had. And I was upset that I wasn't more proactive about learning about that. Um, and even now, you know, like, um, for some people, like, they don't pass as straight and that's a different kind of, of privilege to, to pass a straight if I have to for safety reasons if I'm in a certain area. Um, so I became very aware of that as well. <laughs> can, you, can you talk about uh, 
the Facebook post, uh, you know, because that, especially in the modern day, is kind of, you know, the way we kind of tell the world. Mm -hmm. And that can be so scary. What, I guess, what was your thought process in that? And what made you ultimately, you know, do it? Yeah. Um, so I had probably like a couple weeks before I left the job at the church. So I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm in a safe place. Like I don't have to go to work and be nervous every day if people react badly. Um, there was also um, a teenager that had just suddenly passed away who I had seen grow up there. And I was like, man, life is too short to just hide from people that might be hateful. Like I, I want to just be who I am at this point. And, and Facebook makes it very easy. I don't have to yeah. tell everyone. Like I told the people that it was important to tell and I wanted to know and tell them face to face. Um, but I was like, the rest of y'all are just finding out on Facebook. And I yeah. just posted it. And honestly, that for me made it a lot easier um, and people can kind of process in their own time if they need to, um, or like be shocked or whatever. But I, I think it's a great way for, for me, it was a great way. Um, and I, there wasn't really any negatives that came out of it. It was like kind of a freeing way for me to like, let go of that and just like be out to all the different communities. Yeah. Now, uh, almost a year and, and three months or whatever later, how are you doing? How is like, how, you know, I mean, obviously, as you talked about, there's still ramifications with when you're going to parties and things of that nature. Uh, how is your, like, how are you doing just overall? Yeah, I, I am a lot better than I was this time last year. Um, I'm very happy. Like, I honestly feel like, like the carefree child that I was like has come back. There's like this weird anxiety thing. Like, it was just like, I just kept feeling like a piece of me was missing and I didn't know why I felt like that. And I was constantly searching and trying to get a different job because this one wasn't right. And it was it, like, I feel content in a happy, joyful way. Like I'm in all these different opportunities are coming. Like my business is kind of starting to take off. Um, I'm so happy being a librarian. Um, I've kind of found my happy place there because I do love working in minister in ministry and working with kids and teens. And though this is not at a church, I do feel like it is similar to a youth minister job where I'm working with teens. Like if they need help with stuff, like I can, get them the book they might need or the resource they might need. And that might be for kids that are from all different backgrounds, different religions. I really love like being able to get all these different books for all the different kids. Like I love being able to be like, okay, um, this like order the LGBTQ, the Christian um, books on somebody whose experience has been um, being an immigrant or growing up Muslim in the U.S. I love having all of those things. And I also love giving those books to kids that are different than the characters in the book so that they can, can see that. Um, and yeah, things are just like, they're going really great. And um, I think another thing that has been very important for me is I did have to step away from um, church for a while and that was okay and now I'm feeling better. I feel like I can re-enter some of those spaces and 
if I feel that, you know, for example, I was talking to somebody at, um, it was like a happy hour event and they were looking to start a young adult group. And so I was like trying to figure out like where their stance was in LGBTQ and it was not an affirming one. And so I said, that's fine. I will not be participating in any way. And I wouldn't recommend people go to this because to me, that's not really a Christian. It's not a Christian gathering and that's fine. I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm just going to remove myself from that situation. Um, and I was able to kind of talk with my youth minister from, from high school that I was really close with and that I really looked up to. And um, I hadn't really come out to her aside from it being on Facebook because um, I was like, I just, I'm not ready to handle this. Like I know what the response is and that's going to say, it's okay to be gay. It's not okay to act on it. And I, I didn't want to hear it. Um, and we did wind up meeting up over the summer and had like a very long talk. Um, and I said to her, um, you know, like, I almost think it's more damaging to say to kids, we lo I love you, but I love you, but this, this is wrong. Hate, love, love the person, hate the sin. That is one of the most damaging things you can do because you're like ripping a part of myself out and moving it for me. Right. But you're not doing that to the straight kids they get to keep that part of themselves that's an integral part of themselves for you you have to remove that from yourself and um i said the in i said the implication is that you're telling all these kids they're going to hell and she's like that's not what we're saying and i said but it doesn't matter because that is the implication that's how it's being received and it's really painful it's really damaging and not only that when you say things like that i know that they're coming from good intentions. Like I, I know that there's not malintent in that. They really think that this is the right thing to do, but you need to know, like I'm a 26 year old. I was able to handle it. I have everything in place I need. I have support. I had good friends. Thankfully I had an awesome family, but you don't know what these teens are going home to. And if you're the, if you're the only one they come out to and that's what they hear, you don't know what happens when they leave. You don't know if somebody's going to make a bad decision or do something that is self-harmful to them. And she kind of got like a little teary because nobody ever goes back and says this. They just leave those environments and never say, hey, this is actually what that did to me. And I don't blame people for not going back because sometimes it's too painful. Um, but one of my things that I've been doing is when I do hear Christians say, I love you, but hate the sin, love the sinner. Um, I say, just so you know, that's a very damaging thing to do. You shouldn't say that, especially if you're talking to a teenage person that is LGBTQ because you don't know what happens when they leave there. And there's no reason you don't have to, if that's how you feel, you don't have to tell them that. Let them make their own way <laughs> yep. and, and let them be who they are. Yeah, I guess for, you know, and I want to phrase this the right way, you know, obviously there are going to be people that when I post this are going to have a negative reaction, right? There's mm -hmm. going to be people that are more conservative, um, you know, often older people that are going to, you know, probably and this is fine. They're, they're probably going to message me, right? That I shouldn't be putting out this content or that, you know, like being gay is not natural or things of that nature. 
you know, I, I don't know if you've had to deal with this at all, but I, I guess how, how would you approach someone that doesn't really even acknowledge it or doesn't just kind of wants to ignore it or, you know, what is the best way for us to help them create an empathy, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say the first thing is like, depending on the situation, if this is somebody um, that you have to see or don't have to see, like if it's not a safe situation, just remove yourself from that. Um, if it's somebody that, you know, it's more they're, they're saying things or they're, they're not, um, it's just like they're just kind of ignoring everything. Um, I would say a lot of those people haven't had experiences with LGBTQ people. A lot of their thoughts are coming from what they've been told. And I think that what you'll see a lot of times with those kind of people, whether it's from a religious standpoint or it's just from like political or whatever it is, you'll hear them say the same things and you can kind of put them into groups. Like when I hear somebody kind of say, love the sin or hate the sin, love the sinner. Like it's the same order in which they say these things. It's the same phrases. Like you can hear that they've just been told this and it's never been challenged in their mind. Right. So for if if it's a safe situation you can continue to converse with them it's honestly just about i would just challenge it like i might just say that's a damaging thing to say i would be aware that it could have this effect on the person and then like maybe you're just mentioning like oh um my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whatever and just saying these things so that they can hear that this is your experience this is your life yeah. <laughs> you're not doing this to offend them it really doesn't affect them in any way and you know, it's the same thing as, as anything else. If it's new to them and they've been told that it's a bad thing, they probably have never seen it and only hear all these very bad things about that. Um, you know, we're kind of seeing that in the U.S. now where people, since Black Lives Matter, um, people are really taking a look at what are my underlying prejudices? People are saying, I don't consider myself to be racist, but like there's all these subliminal messages that were given to me throughout my life um, where do those come from? And I think that that's the same thing in, in this situation is a lot of people might not even realize. And if it's a person that you can kindly talk to and be like, hey, that's not, <laughs> that's not okay. Some people, they're just going to be argumentative. They just want to fight with you. But there's a lot of people that may, nobody has ever said anything to them, or they just come out and yell at them and say, you can't say that. And now they're on the defensive. And, and they don't want to hear it. But there has been a couple of people that I've said like, hey, that's not great. That makes me feel terrible. Um, and they've been like, oh. And they really had no idea because nobody took the time to sit down and tell them. And so I would say that for people who are straight and allies too. Like, um, like if you hear those things and you feel comfortable being like, that's not a nice thing to say. Because sometimes it's just like, it's like, you know, just because we're adults, we haven't figured everything out. We we're still learning and it's important to stay open to that. I think also, can you talk about maybe, you know, some of the, just the day-to-day -day differences, right? Like how many bars in Boston do straight people 
you know, have for themselves and, you know, compared to like, you know, at least for one of my friends, you know, for him, Club Cafe is like the only major gay bar that he consistently goes to. So, or even in the movies that come out, um, do you want to just kind of, you know, for the, the people that are not part of the LGBTQ community, just help them with the awareness of even just the subtle ways in society that it's not um, as talked about or as, you know, there are obviously differences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like that became like very blaringly clear when I was coming out and like looking for spaces to go to. Um, I am in Salem, which is great because there's a lot of queer spaces. And even if they're not designated as queer spaces, like there's just always so many queer people around that it feels like it is one. Um, but yeah, Club Cafe is basically the only one in Boston and, um, and that it tends to be more men too. So there's not really as many women spaces. Um, I can't, speak from like a trans perspective, but I would say that that's probably true as well if people are looking for more support within that. Um, and um, what I remember, like, I was just like trying to find places that I would be comfortable in and I would go to um, a coffee shop in Beverly because they had the pride flag out and a lot of the people that are working there, I was like, they look like they might be queer. And like, it just made me feel better to be in a space that like there was like people. Um, and yeah, like movies, there's not as many movies. Like we are starting to see more movies that have different, um, different kinds of people and different characters. But, you know, for so long, it's been like the sassy gay friend who's in all the movies and it's always a man. Like that's stereotyping uh, gay men. And, yeah. um, or you just see like this very st stereotypical lesbian. So like often people will be like, you're not a lesbian. Like you don't look like you're a lesbian. Um, another thing that you come across a lot of times are, or if you're out like men being like, oh, you just haven't, you just haven't met the right guy in a much cruder way of saying that, which I won't say, but you can yeah. insert in with your imagination. Um, but there is a lot of that. Um, women, gay women are sex over-sexualized a lot. Um, in many different ways, um, for usually for straight men and, st and things like that. So, um, you know, you come across some of those things. I will say, um, since I order books for the teen room, um, there is a great number of LGBTQ books ranging everyone in the spectrum coming out, continuing to come out. And it's so wonderful. And the teen librarian who was there before me said, this is actually a couple of years ago, one girl came up to her and was like, um, I like these books, but like, are there any straight romance books? <laughs> and she said, like, isn't that amazing that yeah. now there's a space that like, there's so many that they can easily find it. And like, it's kind of like switch. So like, obviously I get like, you know, straight romance books as well. But she was like, like, imagine how far it's come where before you couldn't even get um, a book at all. And so it's just, it, there's little things like that. Um, that I that I think I noticed in the day to day, and, and and definitely even in in politics, you know, gay marriage being legalized didn't happen in Massachusetts till what two thousand four. Yes, Something and then like it was two thousand fifteen when the whole country and I have a very specific memory of that because it was all over Facebook. I was a senior in college and 
Um, you know, like the White House had done the lights with the pride uh, colors and some, I remember someone saying like, well, they don't have to, to throw it in our faces. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then I remember seeing my Facebook and I was at art school. So I have half of my Facebook being so excited and celebrating. And then the other half of my Facebook being like, this is a sad day. Love did not win today. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, it's like, it was, I had my foot in like these two completely separate worlds. And it was like, so bizarre. And um, yeah, that's like, that's definitely why it took me so long to realize it because my mind was just like, not in a safe place to even go there yet. Um, But yeah. I guess, what advice would you have to the, you know, whatever age person out there that's, that's struggling with it, right? Where, you know, their parents might not be uh, as accepting. You know, how how do they just just start with one friend? Like, what would you recommend for them in terms of how they should, you know, begin this process? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to recognize that you are perfect. There's nothing you need to change. Um, you know, from my from my perspective, God created you this way, but whatever that looks like in your world, in your religion, um, whether that's the universe or you have a different name for God, or maybe, maybe you don't believe in God, that's fine. Whatever you believe in, you were made to be this way, and that's beautiful and that's wonderful. I think that's the first thing is to really take a step back and recognize that that is okay. Um, if you can just start with one friend or um, maybe a teacher, sometimes teachers are great too, or a guidance counselor, someone that you know is a safe person, um, that's always really helpful just to have one person that knows so it's not completely on you, like you're able to to say it to someone. Um, if you're in an area where there's you feel like there's no one, there's so many online communities and, and supports through that. Um, if you're, um, excuse me, if you're in high school, um, there's um, either in your town or the town over, there's usually um, like groups for LGBTQ teens. Um, And just find some sort of community, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, maybe it's just one person that that is huge. And I think another thing is you have permission to leave spaces that aren't supporting you and affirming you and who you are. So if that means that um, you need to step away for a little bit from a group, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's family, maybe it is a religious community, it's okay to say, I need to stop for a little bit and take a step back because this is not okay. It's okay to tell people um, what what their words are doing to you. And you might not be able to say that yet, but just taking a break and taking a step back from that. Um, you have full permission to do that. And it's okay to do that. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. Um, I know like my experience with my parents and and a number of other parents as well is sometimes it is hard for them to, to deal with it. And Um, for a while I was thinking that my parents, you know, they didn't like this. And we finally had this like really long conversation and they were like, we're fine with it. Like, we love you. Like, we don't care about that. 
we're just concerned about your safety. And I was like, but I live in Massachusetts. <laughs> like I'm aware that yeah. like there are spaces I have to be careful in. Um, but you know, like be aware, like if you are telling older people that are seeming hesitant, but are like kind of supporting you, you know, they have seen different things in their lifetime. My parents grew up in the fifties. It was not always safe to be gay in the fifties, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they're seeing it from a different perspective. So their concern was really for my safety. It had nothing to do with not supporting me and not loving me. So sometimes, you know, it just takes people a little bit to process that. And, you know, especially if it is somebody that you've known forever, like they need to kind of be like, oh, like I always pictured you this way and now it's this and that's okay, but it's like a readjustment, right? Because a lot of times you've already processed your coming out and it took you a little bit to be like, oh. And so when you tell people, you're just like, I'm ready accept it. And it's not that they're not accepting it, but it's like, oh, they have to now shift in their mind and be like, this is different. Um, so if you can kind of discern the people in your life that are doing that shift and in, in, in kind of just uh, understanding it versus the people that are being damaging and not being supportive, that that's huge. And if it's hard to have some of those conversations sometimes with family members, but um, that has been like so wonderful for me and um and for my parents and um with other people in my life as well you you throughout the the interview have you know talked about your faith as being an intricate part of who you are how has that relationship been i guess um have you been able to continue with your faith you know because I think um, personally again I, I have both sides right I have a friend who's now quite involved with you know LGBT groups you know within the Catholic community and you know starting those up and creating a community and then I also have uh, a guy friend who left and he was just he was tired of the messaging that was going on and you know i think quite frankly just lost the will to fight you i mean get as personal as you want to but i guess how has that process been for you um throughout this whole whole you know these last couple of years yeah it ha it has been it's been really difficult um just because I, you know, like so much of my family, even like my grandparents on my mom's side that I never got to meet and, um, you know, my dad's parents like that are deceased, like that is my connection to them. They were all Catholic and had a very strong faith in, in what I consider like a healthy, normal way with the church. And that was always my family's experience. Um, but that's not always what you get from the communities there. But it, I was like, I, I was having a really hard time, like separating or thinking of going to a church just because like that was my home. I really felt like it was my home. Um, and I had so many significant and positive experiences there. Um, and I've had so many affirming experiences from a few priests and from Catholic friends that have supported me and stood by me. Um, and so it's this constant juggle of like, all right, how much can I take? Like, what is my goal? And kind of like the point that I'm at now is like I want to continue to stay in the Catholic church to be a presence because people need to know that they're 
are have always been will always be lgbtqia plus people in the catholic church they're sitting in the rows with you and you might not know that but they're there and we need to start calling attention to that. There's a number, there are churches, I know like St. Cecilia's in Boston has an awesome LGBTQ group um, that is welcoming and affirming. Um, I haven't been able to go yet because of COVID, but I would love to check that out once they're allowed to have people in there again. But there are a number of churches that are changing that. And just because it's not in my area, like I wanna start seeing that. Um, but I also recognize that that is very exhausting. Um, and it's very draining. So at this point, I am at the point of looking at other Christian denominations in my area that do affirm and support LGBTQ people because I need that support and strength in my faith because you can't pull from an empty bucket and keep giving. I need to have a community that, um, you know, is there and can kind of like fill up my faith bucket or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and then go back to that. And I know that there's been a lot of frustration um, with some people, you know, considering everything that's happening in the country right now and people not talking about it. Like when you go to mass and the priest doesn't even mention that there was protests and can't even say the words black lives matter for fear of offending the people that are giving some of the money, like, why can't we have those conversations? Um, we don't have to all agree on it, but why can't we at least open the conversation? Um, and a lot of people are, are frustrated with that and are looking at other churches. So um, I think it's, it's okay to step away and find a church that is going to, to pay attention to those things. Some of those churches are Catholic and some of them are not. There's some Catholic churches that haven't approached that at all. Um, and when that's your reality and you're in the middle of that, like it's really hard to sit there and for people to pretend like nothing's happening. Um, so that's kind of like where I'm at. I'm not giving up with just like leaving it behind completely because it is so important to me, but I know and recognize that that can't be my primary source anymore. That's going to have to be my secondary. Yeah. Uh, I guess was there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about that I didn't hit on? Again, as a straight person, you know, obviously I'm trying to create as much empathy and trying to put myself in the shoes, but I may not be asking the right questions. Yeah, no, this, I think we hit on like a lot of different <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> topics yeah. and for, for my experience anyway. Yeah. Um, and I know like I, this is all like very new to me too. So I feel like I'm, I'm also like a huge nerd, obviously, cause I'm a librarian. So whenever I have like a new interest or a new experience, I like dive into books and have to read everything possible on the topic. Um, so I'm just, you know, trying to continue to learn. Um, and I've, I've been like thinking about like in, in my art practice, like what, if anything I can be like making or kind of what to focus on. I've been, kind of starting to write. Um, I have zero writing experience, but during COVID, one of my friends asked if I wanted to start a writing group and I was like, sure. So we were doing it over Zoom and I just kind of started to write um, like a fiction of what it would look like if I was in high school now and realized this in high school and came out in high school and what yeah. that would be. And so like, I don't know if anything's gonna happen with that, but it's been like kind of interesting for me to take a look and kind of like, you know, and talking with some of my, my friends from high school, like just talking about the stuff that happened, it's like, 
I mean, this is a comedy show. Like it's so, it's so ridiculous. Some of the stuff that happens at Catholic high school and like, you know, just from like, I don't know, one story of like, you know, when you get the ashes and some kid like took the ashes and like made a teardrop on his face, like one of the rappers and the theology teacher flipping out, like just like ridiculous stories like that. And I was like, man, there's like a lot of funny stuff in here. And like, you know, looking at YA books, there's not like a ton of people that have like addressed what is going to a Catholic high school and like the weird experience that that is. Um, and like, if, if I can kind of like share my experience through comedy and also like my struggles with the church and the reason, the good experiences I had there, like if I can figure out how to put that into it, like, I think that that is more of what we need is people being able to speak in, um, a way that like recognizes that everyone's coming from a different place and a lot of people are just on the defense. So if you can like take those defenses down, like add some humor in there or just like do it in not a yelling way, like that might get across to different people because activism is super important. We still need that. We still need people out there being loud and holding signs and doing it the way they need to do. But I think that there's other people that might um, hear, hear better when it's a little bit quieter and that's kind of my style of doing things that's a great point no that's a great point um so i i guess uh thank you so much for for being on joanna i hope that this provides value uh to to people out there that you know wherever you stand in terms of the spectrum uh you know, if you have a friend and trying to be a better friend to them, or if you're someone struggling with coming out, hopefully uh, this interview can help uh, direct you in, in different ways to resources, support groups, things of that nature. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you on, you know, just the way you've, you know, conducted yourself here. I know this is such a a tough topic, you know, again, I always just go to my personal friends, but, you know, I, I have a friend who he's come out to one side of the family and hasn't to his other side, you know, just cause he knows, you know, the, that it, it would be pretty tough and he's not really wanting to do that. And, um, that's just as a friend, that's so tough to hear because, you know, you want to live in a world where they can just be themselves. Um, so if there are people out there that would like to support you or reach out to you, maybe, um, are you open to giving out any information? Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at the quirky leopard and, uh, my website is the quirky leopard.com and I'm updating my blog it's a newer website so i'm adding adding things and um also i will be posting about any new classes and stuff like that um or if you just want to reach out and um need someone to talk to about this topic i am always open to that as well yeah awesome thank you so much for being on joanna thank you so much for having me this was great (laughs) of course thank you